0: Apple's new super secure lockdown mode for iOS 16, which I'm super excited for, one of the biggest data breaches ever, new quantum computing resistant encryption algorithms and more. Kind of a low-key week, but some exciting stuff happened. Welcome to Surveillance Port 94, where we're dedicated to keeping you private and secure with the latest news. I am Henry from TechLore. I am Nathan from The New Oil. And our promo segment this week, we're gonna start off with Monero. So if you like Monero or you just wanna support us, but you wanna do it in a private way, the best way to do that is through Monero. All you need, just download a, an app like Cake Wallet or whatever your favorite Monero wallet is and just send us whatever you want to this QR code that's on the screen or just use the address down in the description. Otherwise, if you want more of a traditional way to support us, we do have Patreon as well and that also comes with some fun perks. So make sure to check that out. Also, I'm back. Thanks for everyone's patience. Um, it's been a rough couple weeks, so hopefully I'm back-ish for the foreseeable future. And the highlight story this week. Oh man, this first off caught me off guard, but I'm very happy it did. So Apple's lockdown mode aims to counter spyware threats. So Apple has announced a new feature in iOS 16 called lockdown mode, which is opt-in, and it basically is like an iPhone hardening function. So you enable this in the settings, restart your device, and it by default blocks a lot of the web features, like websites can They can still be allow-listed, and it limits various incoming invitations and requests, such as FaceTime call requests from users you've never FaceTimed before. It blocks link previews and attachments in iMessage. In fact, if someone sends you a link in iMessage, you can't even click the link. You have to copy and paste the link to prevent phishing attacks. It's pretty cool. It also blocks wireless connections and blocks new mobile device management enrollment, which is frequently abused by attackers. This is pretty much created for journalists and people who are in positions that require this extra security. Apple's also offering a $2 million bug bounty for this program to make any improvements to it. Uh, this is coming out, I believe, in the next version of Mac OS and the next version of iOS, as well as iPad OS. So we should see this in the fall, which is very exciting. So, and to give some context here, and I'm sure Nate might have comments, this is nothing but good, in my opinion, whether or not you like Apple Having this functionality for those users who need high security is very important. Some people don't care about the privacy aspects of this, and it's, this is really just a security feature. Um, if I was on an iPhone, I would be doing this, and uh, on my MacBook, I will probably be in- turning this on as well, so I'm very excited for it.
1: Yeah, I don't really have a lot of comment. Um, I'm definitely gonna try it out when whenever I get iOS 16, whenever it rolls out to me. Um... Like, I, like you said, I, I really agree. This is nothing but good. But yeah, so I mean, I, I agree with you. I think this is just a win all around. And, you know, it's optional. Um, I'm really curious just to try it and see what it breaks and how much it breaks. And Because, um, I mean, if it's... Uh, we were talking before recording, I, I have a pretty high tolerance for inconvenience. So if it's not too big of a deal, I might leave it on 24-7, but we'll see. We'll see what it actually looks like in practice. This reminds me a lot of Google's advanced protection program, Mm -hmm. but
0: this is more like thorough than that because the Google advanced protection program Mm -hmm. does restrict Android devices a
1: little bit, but not as much as this. So I hope Google
0: also carries over that
1: functionality as well. Yeah, and I didn't know it was on uh, iPad and Mac too. That's really cool. I thought it was just iOS. No, it's going to be all three devices. That's awesome. With that, we will roll into our data breaches, and we're going to start off with possibly one of the biggest data breaches of all time, if this is true. This is still, I guess, technically unconfirmed, but it sounds pretty legit. A lot of people have been reporting on it, and it says, Hacker claims to have stolen data of 1 billion Chinese from police. So this guy is going by the name China Dan or Chinaden, I don't know how it's pronounced. He's asking for 10 Bitcoin, which is about 200,000 US dollars at the time of recording, and claims to have 23 terabytes of data that came from the Shanghai National Police database. This includes names, addresses, birthplace, national ID number, mobile number, and all crime or case details for over 1 billion Chinese national residents. And this con- concerns, quote, several billion case records.
0: Quite a bit of a smaller data breach, uh, but a US eye clinic has suffered a data breach that impacts 92,000 patients. This is a Missouri-based Math-Matics new prater Eye Center. Totally butchered it. I don't know. Is that French?
1: I think it's Creole, Creole. which is based on France. French,
0: so... So they provide surgical and no surgical care affected by a third-party data security incident, seemingly formed from MyCare Integrity, an e-records platform, around December fourth, 2021. Over 90,000 individuals were impacted. They said the data was deleted, but there was no evidence of data theft.
1: Our next story comes from WeWork India, who has exposed visitors' personal information and selfies. This affected, quote, thousands of people who visited WeWork India's co-working spaces, unquote. So they didn't specify how many people were affected, at least not in this article. And it seems to have been related to the check-in app. So when people would show up to the the WeWork building for whatever reason, they'd check in via the app. And records were stored in a web-accessible platform using links that were guessable and sequential. Let's say the link was, I don't know, 92331. You could change it to 92332, and you would access the next person who checked in. Yeah, again, this included personal information and selfies, but otherwise WeWork has been pretty tight-lipped, shocker, and has not really released a lot of details, but that's really unfortunate, and companies need to stop making their links like that. Up next, Marriott, the hotel chain
0: who has been in a data breach in the past has now confirmed another data breach. This happened in June as a result of social engineering, which is very effective for those who don't know. It's essentially when you uh, manipulate the trust of someone else in order to gain something, phishing attacks or of social engineering. Um, 20 gigabytes of information, including guest credit card information and employee data was exposed. Marriott claims it primarily pertained to operations at the specific property and only affected about 300 to 400 individuals. Though I'm now asking 20 gigabytes of information on 300 people, that must be a very inefficient database or they're downplaying <laughs> it. Probably the but second one, honestly. Hotels confuse me because I like to pay for them online when I make the reservation with like a privacy.com card. But And then you show up and they want a card. Life, yeah, and they're like, I already paid for everything. What do you want a card for? So. If,
1: if you make the the reservation directly with them, like, in, like not like with Expedia or something, if you do it directly with them. I do it through them. You should be able to add a card on file and say, charge the card on file.
0: Oh, I could, okay. Well, now I know. Yeah. and
1: everyone else knows now if they've been through what I go through, because they yeah. should have it on file.
0: Because it, I just I always go directly through them. I hate going through the third parties. Yeah,
1: yeah. I'm learning all this shit. This is a great opportunity for me to practice privacy stuff. And our last data breach is just a quick update. Last week we talked about how California gun owners were uh, exposed via the Conceal Carry online portal. Well, it turns out that breach is a lot bigger than originally expected. Uh initially the breach was said to affect everyone who had a concealed carry permit but it actually included every applicant including people who were denied. That's pretty much the only update it's just a lot bigger than we thought and that still really really sucks. And now
0: we're going to move over to the company news and we only have one story this week and it's about our favorite company TikTok. Here's the headline. Immediately no. TikTok's new personalized ads will jeopardize rights in Europe. So TikTok is planning to add personalized ads to all users over 18 on the platform. And this is set to take effect on July 13th. That's kind of the whole story. It's from Access Now. It's kind of a nothing burger, but it's just worth mentioning it. This is probably a story that's
1: about to unfold and we don't really know what's gonna happen from here. With that, we're gonna move into research. And again, we only have one story in this section. It was kind of a light week, but it's a really interesting one. It says Swedish radio created fake pharmacy and reveals how Facebook stored sensitive information. If you've listened to the last two weeks, you know that this is absolutely nothing new. Apparently, someone from Facebook had an interview on the Swedish Radio News, and during the course of that interview, they mentioned that they actually have technological safeguards in place to ensure that they don't receive sensitive data from advertisers. Again, if you've listened to the last two episodes, you know that this is complete and utter BS. It's a total lie. But they claim that, you know, if these advertisers record anything sensitive and submit it to Facebook, Facebook has automatic filters that are like, oh no, that's sensitive data. We don't want to store that. So the reporters decided to call their bluff. Um, these are really smart reporters. They set up a fake online pharmacy and they went through Facebook's ad and analytics tools where it gives you like a little dashboard where you can see all the data and manage it. And then they made bots that would automatically sign up to this fake pharmacy, and you know they would use email, uh, they would use search terms to go find the pharmacy. So they had a lot of different data to pull from, and they used their um, their little online portal I mentioned to see what data got recorded on the Facebook side. A mere four days and twenty five thousand registrations later, they discovered that literally nothing had been filtered out on Facebook's end. They were able to see again like search terms, email addresses, uh, in some cases, really sensitive stuff that should not have been caught by Facebook. So when they uh, contacted Facebook and asked for a follow-up, first Facebook dodged the question. The person they contacted was like, well, I'm not a developer, so I can't, you know, I don't know how the technology behind the filters work. And then after that, they said it was the advertiser's responsibility to filter out information, which is in direct contradiction to the earlier story they gave. Earlier, you called TikTok our favorite company. I think mine's Facebook, just because they find new and impressive ways to continually be worse and worse yeah so, there's
0: <laughs> man even when when i'm talking with people i really try to look at the positives you know people are talking about twitter and i'm like yeah well the cool thing is there's some research showing that twitter is actually um one of the best platforms for avoiding tribes of all social media platforms and i'm like that's a good thing i think relative to what, what everything else going on instagram at least it's all just photos and general generally positive in fact the issue with instagram is it's <coughs> really too positive it's all fake positivity, yeah. Yeah, it's like fake positivity, but then on Facebook, I'm like, I can't find a single good thing about Facebook. You know, Facebook Marketplace. I've Everyone talks so much good stuff about Facebook Marketplace.
1: I've heard some of the groups are okay if you end up in the right ones.
0: Yeah, but like that, that's it. Like, I'm, I really try to look at the positives when people say they're on Facebook, and I just can't. I'm like, it's an evil company. They are terrible for so many different things, not even privacy related.
1: I like how Facebook yeah. is so bad that like ten years ago when I I don't know but like you know before if you would tell somebody like I don't have Facebook they'd look at you like you're an alien like you know growing a third eye out of your head, but nowadays like when I tell people I'm like oh yeah I don't have any social media like ninety percent of people are like oh man that's the way to go I wish I could do that.
0: Yeah yeah a lot of people I'm like, yeah I I experience the same thing they're like they're jealous at least they say they're jealous I don't yeah know how true that yeah is. and then I'm always like dude just quit yeah yeah it's actually funny I I met someone recently and they uh. They were talking about social media, and they were like, well, why don't you like it? I mean, they said, yeah, I mean, it's got some good stuff, and yeah, it's pretty negative here and there, but, like, I still like it. And I'm like, you're just describing a toxic relationship. <laughs> like, It really is. Like, you cut that stuff out, you know? It's toxic. It's like, yeah, it's kind of positive. It kind of makes you feel good, but, with, like, with so much downside. It's like, that's a toxic relationship. Cut that shit out.
1: Um, <laughs> feel free to cut this. Uh, and I'm like not trying to demean anybody who's in or been in one of these relationships but I describe Facebook as like imagine if every day you woke up and went to your significant other and was like hey you remember you gave me a black eye last week go ahead and do that again that was fun like <laughs> that's that's basically what Facebook is at this point in my opinion yeah and it's just not good to
0: use like it's just
1: not a polished
0: <laughs> platform and I feel like everyone complains about it So they complain
1: every time they change it they change it like every six months and everybody's like oh I hate the new UI and they're all still there yeah It's weird. weird. (laughs) Yeah, it's weird.
0: I can't explain it.
1: Mm. Stockholm syndrome. All right, now
0: we're going to migrate over to politics, and we're going to start. Biden order fortifies data privacy ahead of state-by-state legal battle over abortion. So this is a continuation over the recent um, Roe v. Wade issue that's going on so here's a quote an executive order signed by president biden places the white house's weight firmly behind states where access to abortion is guaranteed urging the ftc and other executive entities to examine and reinforce data protection policies without a digital trade to follow attempts to criminalize private medical activity across borders may prove far more difficult executive orders are somewhat limited so this isn't likely to actually happen we'll see it's not a guarantee but it does demonstrate that the federal government seems to be interested in enforcing some type of data protection even if it's only for this side of the medical side of things, I will say I, I don't know Nate. If you touched on this, I didn't actually listen to your your coverage on this in the surveillance report. Um, admittedly, but like How the people you. in my life are like all deleting the period tracker apps, and they're like worried about this stuff. And I'm telling them this is privacy. Like this is what I do for a living. And even though they know that's what I do for a living, they're like I get it now, because it's not until what you're you care about. Is in jeopardy that people actually care about privacy people don't care about it until it impacts them and so i think this has been a big wake-up call for a lot of people on how privacy does impact them they were just taking it for granted in some ways
1: the the funny thing to me is like i've i've used that argument before with people like well you know laws change and i've even cited abortion access as an example like you know abortion used to be illegal and like laws could change they could roll it back someday but like people and this is kind of one of the reasons, like, you know, everybody's always asking, how can I make people around me care about privacy? People are really bad at abstract thinking. Even just a couple years ago, the idea that they would roll back Roe v. Wade was just completely unthinkable. And now here we are. So, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, this is privacy. And um, on the topic of deleting uh, period trackers, a lot of articles have pointed out, like, that's actually just tip of the iceberg. You know, exactly. what about your your web searches, your communications, you know, your – if you text somebody um, – in Texas, you can be uh, you can be sued if you give somebody a ride to an abortion clinic, even if you had nothing to do with it. If you're just like giving your friend a ride, if you knew where they were going and what they were doing, you can get sued. And so, you know, like that communication of just texting somebody and being like, "Hey, man, can you give me a ride to this place tomorrow?" Like, I think it has been a wake up call. Unfortunately, it's unfortunate that you know it had to come to that, but. I think this has been a wake-up call and hopefully people will start realizing that privacy has real world implications and it's not just you know oh i don't like facebook or whatever no i'm glad you
0: brought that up too because i brought up the period tracking thing to kind of demonstrate how like that's how people think they're gonna get their privacy back and like they're actually trying to do things to make it better but that is like you said the tip of the iceberg they don't think about the fact that they still do web searches online through google about abortions without doing any kind of extra protections and how they're going to be using Facebook and how they're just message people on, on Twitter or Snapchat or SMS or SMS.
1: Yeah. It's, it's bad. So like, and it's also why like, especially for, um, I I know like my website is really, really wordy, but that's because especially for beginners, it's really important that they, they realize that like privacy is not okay. I downloaded signal and I switched to proton mail and now I'm private. It's like you, you have to think through it and you have to like know your threat model and you have to like, think about the different ways things could go wrong and how to defend against them and stuff like that. It's, it's not as simple as just downloading an app or deleting an app and, you know, you have it to think be, about it. should
0: be, but no, it's not. Oh, it'd be
1: amazing if it was. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, it's something you gotta put thought into. And, it, it, you know, that doesn't mean you have to become a PhD expert, but, you know, it's just, yeah, it's just, it's not that simple. It requires you to think about things and think critically, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Enough of that, let's move on to Canada where Canada's police spyware admission has raised alarms. So Canada's Mounties have admitted to using spyware Quoting the article, during a parliamentary session in late June, the Royal Canadian Mounted Police submitted a document, first reported in Politico, outlining how a special investigative team covertly infiltrates the mobile devices of Canadians. The tools, which have been used on at least 10 investigations between 2018 and 2020, give the police access to text messages, emails, photos, videos, audio files, calendar entries, and financial records. The software can also remotely turn on the camera and microphone of a suspect's voter laptop. On that note, Citizen Lab has long suspected the use of such spyware, but doesn't know which one they're using or where it came from, because. Government transparency is an oxymoron, and they, you know, have never disclosed any of the companies they're working with or how much they paid for this or any of that. The RCMP, of course, claims that they only use this as a last resort, but some of the experts cited in this article point out that they have lied in the past about things exactly like this. I do gotta say 10 times in 2 years doesn't seem that bad, to be totally honest, but again, experts point out they've been known to lie, so... Maybe that's just the 10 they admitted to, and maybe it's a lot more. But yeah, there's um, that's very, very concerning, especially if you're a Canadian. So be aware of your devices and, and things you put in digital format. Up next, UK
0: has signed its first data sharing deal post-Brexit with South Korea. Um, title says it all, something to be aware of if you live in the UK and how countries share data with each other. Um, other countries considered by the UK include US, Australia, Singapore, Dubai, and Colombia. Um, Google, MasterCard, Microsoft, and others helped advise the deal. So it's worth mentioning that um, the deal is directly data sharing between governments, but a lot of times companies are involved as well and can be the backbone of that kind of stuff.
1: And our last political story comes from India. Payment gateway Razorpay has shared data donor data with cops. So uh, from what I understand from this article, police in India began investigating a news outlet called Alt News and, as part of the investigation, they requested data from Razorpay about people who have donated to Alt News. They were specifically looking for evidence of foreign donors. They're trying to, uh, from what I can tell, this investigation centers around the idea that Alt News is getting foreign donations that might be like a... There's all kinds of things that might be wrong with that, potentially, so they're trying to investigate that. The real scandal is that, apparently, Razorpay complied and even offered to deactivate Alt News' Razorpay account. And from what I can tell, there was like no legal paperwork, like the police didn't serve them any kind of subpoenas or anything. They just came up to Razorpay and was like, hey, do you have any like donor information on these guys? They're like, yeah, yeah, here you go. Hey, you want us to shut down their account too? We're down like, which is really, really concerning. So yeah, just that's, that's there. If you're from India or anywhere that Razorpay operates, I would be wary of them. And now
0: FOSS News, free and open source, plan your next trip with Nextcloud Maps, new features so nextcloud has now made their maps app like an alternative to google maps collaborative the main draw here is the ability to add comments and share locations in real time so it's a little bit more uh, interactive for you and you can make changes and help collaborate on the maps to make it better for everyone i've never used nextcloud maps so i can't comment much on it i don't know if nate has
1: um i haven't but reading the article i think it's actually only collaborative with the people you share with so like for example the one of the examples they cite is like if you're planning a road trip you can add little markers like, you know, hey, let's stop here and see my family or something. Um, comments like that. So Got it. Okay, thank you. Which is, I mean, still pretty neat. But no, I haven't used it myself. I'd be interested to know if it's any good. I'm going to be honest. I haven't found a single,
0: like, decent <laughs> alternative to Apple Maps and Google Maps. Yeah. I, luckily, I don't need to use them because my car has navigation built into it, so I never actually use them. But Apple Maps and Google Maps slay, and it's hard to find something that beats it.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, that's true.
0: Uh, But, like, people talk about Magic Earth, uh, organic maps, so, I mean, people listening, you can try those. OSM and, and, like, any clients that utilize that.
1: I use use organic maps if it's not, like, work-related, where it's like, I definitely have to be there at this time. I haven't tried Magic Earth, but I've heard about that one, too. And our last Foss story, Vim 9.0 is released. Vim is a uh, text editor for Linux, for those who don't know, kind of like, I don't know, gedit nano... Uh, I I don't know how it's pronounced, but anyways, in addition to many small changes, the Spotlight is on a new incarnation of the Vim script language, Vim9Script. The main goal with this is to improve performance. They say it's as much as 10 to 100 times better performance, and they are also trying to move closer to a commonly used programming language, such as JavaScript, or uh, there's a couple others they listed. Now, to be fair, to achieve this, there is some backwards compatibility that has been lost, so uh, if you're a Vim user, especially a power user, then uh, upgrade at your own risk. But yeah, uh, looks like they've made some really interesting changes for power users here. And you should go check that out if you're a Vim user. And now Misfits, our last news
0: category for the week. We're going to start out with kind of a fun one. So NIST, which is the National Institute of Standards and Technology, has announced first four quantum-resistant cryptographic algorithms, which is really exciting. Some context here, uh, quantum computers are likely to be a thing in the next several decades. We don't know when. And people have a lot of concerns over whether or not they can break current encryption, which are all valid concerns. Um, In the past, we've talked about how we think there's probably also going to be likely equally strong protections that also come along with uh, quantum computers. And so we're starting to see some of those quantum-resistant cryptographic. cryptographic algorithms starting to come out, which is really exciting. And so this comes with four select encryption algorithms. I'm not gonna get into all each one of them. There's like Crystal-S Cyber, Crystal-S Dilithium, Falcon. This doesn't mean anything to you, but if it does, you should check out the article. We always leave the show notes. Um, The first three are based on structured lattices, while the last one uses a hash function. If you know what that means, you know what it means. Otherwise, I recommend going in the show notes. Um, there are four additional algorithms that are under consideration and will be announced at a later date. And a fun fact that Nate put in the notes, Tutanota already uses a couple of these in an existing prototype and plans to roll them out to all users soon. So it'll be fun to see like which people are going to start integrating some of these quantum-resistant res- algorithms uh, in the coming years. So this is for the people who are scared of
1: quantum computers.
0: I think we're going to be fine.
1: And our last story this week, it says free smartphone, stalk- smartphone stalkerware detection tool gets dedicated hub. So this comes from Kaspersky. so, um, use, take that however you want, I guess. They have launched a new information hub to help with their open source stalkerware detection tool, which is named TinyCheck, which was created in 2019 to help people detect if their devices are being monitored. Regardless of your opinions on Kaspersky, I think this is actually pretty cool. TinyCheck is open source, does not need to be installed on the device. It uses a Raspberry Pi, which monitors your Wi-Fi traffic, and... It looks for any signs of abuse. Like, it looks at what servers your device is contacting and looks for any known servers that are abusive. It does not read any content like your SMS or your emails. Everything it does is kept locally on the Raspberry Pi, and it works for both Android and iOS. So. This is
0: sick. I kind of want to get this.
1: I, I know, right? Like, this is. I, I understand, like, Kaspersky is a Russian company. I think that's who I'm thinking of. Yes, um, it is. Yeah, so, like, I, I understand. Uh, depending on how you feel, that might be a little bit sus, but I mean, this is open source, self-hosted, all local, like, personally, I think this is super, super cool. I guess it might be a little bit out of the reach of some people who this would help, but I mean, you know, I'm sure those people visit friends and stuff like that, so, yeah, this is really, really cool. If you know anybody who thinks they might be being monitored, or you think they might be being monitored, maybe spin one of these up, and, uh, I actually got my first Raspberry Pi a couple weeks ago, they're super nifty. Really easy to put together, so maybe spin one of these up and invite them over for coffee and see what the logs say. So, really, really cool stuff. And
0: the Q&A this week, we got no questions. So, we need more questions from all you guys. So, those Uh, who don't know... Yeah, boo, that's right. We're (laughs) booing you guys. So... If you're a patron, you get to ask us any question any week. We leave a post, and you just leave whatever question you want. It can be about a news story that you heard. It can be a random privacy security question. It can be a personal question if you have something you want to know about us. We're not guaranteed to answer every question, but we like to at least have one question each week for the Q&A, and we didn't get any. So if you have a question, when you're watching this, there will be a post on Patreon, so you can join Patreon right away and just leave whatever question you have. Want to know what, uh, what my favorite color is? You should. Have, someone should ask that.
1: <laughs> I like answering questions. People usually ask really good questions too.
0: They do. They do. We I feel will, like every week I, I, I log that. in I'm, What's yeah, up? Yeah, we we do get quality questions.
1: Yeah. We just we want more of them. I feel like every week I log in and I look at the questions. and There's always at least one that I'm like, "Ooh, that's a good one," you know. Except mm-hmm. this week, cause there are none. Yeah. <laughs>
0: And with that said, that's it for this week. Again, Apple's new super secure lockdown mode for iOS 16 has been released, one of the biggest data breaches ever, new quantum computing resistant encryption algorithms, which is really exciting and more. Honestly, not a bad week. Um, again, promo segment. Get on Patreon if you wanna leave us a QA and a or you wanna be able to skip the sponsor segments without needing to skip around while you're driving or anything. It just doesn't include the sponsor segments at all if you're on our Patreon. And also if you don't want to bother with anything like that and you just wanna support us directly, send us over some Monero. We see your donations and we thank all of you who have already sent us some tips. Um, It's much appreciated, we don't know who you are, but we do see the tips, so thank you very much. Thank you again for listening to the Surveillance Reports. The final thing we wanna ask for you to do is to share the podcast around, make sure you're subscribed and give us a rating if you're listening from a platform where you can do that. We want privacy to reach as many people as possible and you can directly help us do that. Thanks again for listening. See you next week. And in two more surveillance reports, we have a big announcement for you. So we're excited to share that with you. So we'll see you then.